The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. It's so good to be back. And I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system, of our work, into the landscape of work through visual devices. Why? So we can work with greater attention, precision, higher safety, pace, so quality is designed in and mistakes are designed out through our inventions, so our company can make good profit margins, increasingly good, and so we can find satisfaction in our work, even fulfillment, and so we can enjoy ourselves along the way. Work. Work as mastery. Work as service. Work that is aligned and focused Work that unifies so that we can move as one. Hmm. Work and the workplace. We become partners with the workplace, our functional performance partners. We have enabled it to be so by creating visual devices, by creating these visual systems which we embed. We embed this information that's in visual form or may I say in sensory form into the living landscape of work so that the information is there by design when and as we need it. We pull it to us. We pull it to us. The visual workplace, the perfect pull system and one which we design. Area by area, department by department, company by de- company on all levels, not just the value-add level, but the management level, the executive level, the supply chain level. Information deficits disappear through visual solutions. Chronic questions disappear because we embed answers. We let the workplace speak. The visual workplace, a system of systems, a logic of performance, and a logic of thinking. I've been doing this work for a little bit over 30 years, and I tell you, it is it just makes me happy all the time. It is uh, always teaching me. And I think you'll find that yourself as you get into higher levels of visual functionality, that this functionality will begin to teach you, will begin to give you this automatic feedback. There's this built-in PDCA cycle where the workplace really does engage us and talk to us, give us feedback, and we move along the improvement um, journey, our improvement ladder. We let the workplace speak. So we're going to go right into the show today. I have no announcements except this one. It's the beginning of the holiday season, and please be safe in your travels. You are very dear to me. (laughs) You're very dear to me. 
I know who you are, <laughs> and I want you to come back in the new year. So please be careful, and please grab some rest, some meaningless, health-giving inactivity. Nothing would make me happier, okay? This is the time, this is the place, and you are what's happening. So take some rest. So today, well, I've been traveling a lot since September. I warned you this was going to happen far more than I should have or I would prefer to. Some of it was just poor planning on my part. I take responsibility. But another part of it was unexpected occurrences, and mostly it was simply an appetite to learn. I got greedy. I wanted to just go and see. I wanted to go see, and I've seen a lot. I wanted to see plants, and I wanted to see people, and I wanted to, you know, do my thing. So I have gone and I've seen, <laughs> and now I want to report back to you, and that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to report to you, and I want to report to you what I saw and what I made of what I saw, and hopefully this will help you on your own journey to both visuality and to excellence and just to, you know, enjoying yourself at work. All work in the world is there to help us discover and better understand the world that we live in, the world on the inside of us, the world on the outside of us. Our understanding comes within that framework. We have experiences and those experiences teach us. And there are certain kind of anchor points. We call them uh, frames of beliefs or values, what we hope is true, what we believe is true. But the frames can be misleading and sometimes even false or destructive. And so the, at the core of today's show is a request that you question. You question your framing. You question framing in general, how you see things. You question. And in this case, we're going to be talking about quest, questioning methodologies of improvement. Okay? And, and so many of our companies also are, have these kind of reference frames, especially if we ourselves don't have anything to guide us. We kind of adopt that of the company. Everybody does that. Everybody has a set of beliefs and we act on them. Okay. And sometimes these beliefs are simply tribal. They're simply tribal. They're widely held notions captured in some social net, some social understanding. The society is telling us how to think. And I'm talking about the society at work. This is a show about the workplace. But that tribal net is no less formative. In other words, it helps us form our perceptions, our attitudes, and no less powerful. So shifting that thought to the work, to workplace improvement, I want to tell you that I see a lot that goes down today is simply an acceptance of a kind of tribal think. A lot that is called improvement thinking is really just tribal thinking. And I want to point these out to you. Uh, the way that I say it, uh, it reminds me of this tribe uh, that I call Borg. <laughs> the Borg. Do you remember the Borg from Star Trek? If you look at Wikipedia, if you don't know what Borg is, if you haven't seen all or any of the Star Trek movies, then it defines Borg as a collection of species that have turned into cybernetic organisms functioning as drones. And they're drones of a collective, of a societal net, if you will, of a hive. 
it's a kind of pseudo society or pseudo race dwelling in the Star Trek universe far, far away. <laughs> the Borg take other species into the collective by force and they connect them to this societal net, this hive mind. They call that act assimilation. And it usually, in these movies, with Borg entails violence and abductions and injections of cybernetic implants. You know, it's very, very exciting. But the Borg say, look, our ultimate guide, our ultimate goal is to achieve perfection. They give new meaning to the otherwise high-minded move as one, move as one. You know, opening remarks from any and all Borg are painfully the same. They say something like, we are Borg, lower your shields, surrender your ships, we will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. <laughs> your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Remember that? Resistance is futile. The concept of perfection is a unifying idea. So, you know, the thing is, when the Borg take over, people begin to think exactly as everyone else. And from one crazy point of view, you could really say that the Borg are, you might say the Borg are simply beings, beings, entities, hungry for knowledge, hungry to know, hungry to learn, hungry to acquire. They just go about it in a rather peculiar way, rather distasteful way. Now, would I offend too many of you, my dear and trusted listeners, if I were to comment that I often get that feeling as I walk through some, not all, but some of the plants that I've had the privilege to visit, especially over the last three months, well-meaning human activity, well-meaning executives and CI managers, but taken over by, by thought forms. Let me just find my place again. You see... So when I go into these plants, I see people who are being taken over or have 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 adopted uh, methodologies that are incomplete or ill-conceived or somebody else's. But don't get me wrong; I've also seen tremendous, even inspiring applications of methodologies that have produced dazzling results. But I will speak of those in a different show. In this show. Today, I want to talk about that Borg tendency, that tendency for us to be absorbed into the very notion we are trying to learn from. And I'm going to divide these into four areas. These are going to be four different shows. And I want to say I'd like to see a replacement of Borg-like thinking with principles because it's the principles that will show and guide us. So the four topic areas or are, if you go along with my little metaphor here, Borg cellular design, Borg equality, the nature of defects, Borg employee empowerment. There's a lot of mistaken notions here that really get us in trouble in the long run. And the fourth show will be about Borg standardization, just ideas that we have about standardization that are incomplete or just incorrect. So this is not going to be a discussion that is tightly focused on visuality. Frankly, the errors about visuality right now, where we are now, as visuality unrolls around around the planet, are such on uh, such a large scale that there is very little to be said. You really can't go wrong, get more visual. But when you do go wrong, 
it'll be on a conceptual level, not on a device level. You'll be missing the principles of visuality. You'll be missing what visuality's purpose is, but you'll still get a benefit. Hmm? And I've been spending the last year and a half with you describing what that is. So you can go back to the podcast, they're free, and begin to build up your vocabulary and at least my take on it. I want to say something else. When we focus on these four themes, and they are connected to visual information sharing, visuality makes a powerful contribution to cellular design, quality, empowerment, and standardization. Hmm? I want to first unnest the errors the errors in each of these categories before we get to the visual part. I want to peel back the kind of what's wrong in the thinking before I put back where do you go in terms of getting more visual in these areas. And I also want to warn you that I'm going to be talking about marketing in these shows. I'm going to be talking about the ideas that are marketed as methodologies. I'm going to be talking about marketing as, in a way, um, a perilous endeavor. The marketing of ideas and the readiness of, tra- of providers, trainers, and coaches and consultants to adopt a pretty good-looking methodology and make just a little bit too much of it. Cellular design will be my first focus, and I will illustrate this with a case, a case study, Way, way, way back when, 1987, as a way for us to get into this discussion. But the big picture is we really must question when something isn't working. We must question why it isn't working. We must not put it under the carpet and pretend just because we've been given what's supposed to be a good methodology or to work someplace else that it's going to work for us. Okay? So I'm going to talk more about this after the break, and I'll see you in just a minute. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi, this is Gwendolyn. Welcome back. You're in the second segment of the Visual Workplace today, and we are talking about, the name of the show is Question Everything, Borg Cellular Design. And what I was setting up in the first part of the show is that we have to be careful about our tendency to adopt whole hog, to swallow whole hog, something that is very well presented, very well marketed, very tempting, very seductive and promising, and to stop questioning it. To illustrate this, and I, and I also want to say, in the story that I'm about to tell, which began in 1987, we were innocent, just as we are innocent now. We're all trying to do our best, but still we have to recognize the mistakes and we'll know we're making a mistake by looking what's happening around us, by opening our eyes, opening up, opening up our feelings, and by seeing, by feeling. We are sensory beings, and those senses give us a way of understanding. So here's what it is. Cellular design came to our shores here in the United States in 1987, and it triggered a revolution. And it was a revolution in thinking. I had the amazing good fortune at that time, of witnessing the first landing. It was like Columbus coming to America. I was there. I was working for Productivity, Inc. at the time, the premier source at the time for information, knowledge, know-how from Japan. My boss, the improbable and highly eccentric and sometimes lovable Norman Bodek, had the Midas touch, a Midas touch for identifying the movers and shakers in Japan and acquiring the uh, the books and the knowledge and publishing those books. I was his uh, director of uh, consulting and training development, and you know I was responsible for putting Japanese knowledge in a form where others could other others us in the West could understand it and use it. And it was great. I had I had so many privileged moments. So Norman and and by the way Norman actually discovered and brought to our shores Nakajima, who is the father of Total Productive Maintenance, Ryuji Fukuda, my sensei of the 1980s, managerial engineering, CDAC, X-type matrix. Even though it was used widely in Japan, he brought it here and made it coherent. And for heaven's sake, Shigeo Shingo. He also discovered the Shingojitsu group well before they took on that name, when it was just Awata, the great Awada and Nakao and Tubu, but mostly Awada and Nakao. These are Mr. Awada, Mr. Nakao, Mr. Tubu. So Norman invited Awada to come over in 1987 to demonstrate a course that he had heard about called Five Days and Four Nights. Now hear me out. This is very, very interesting. Norman then went looking for a host plant, a plant where the group could demonstrate this Model this course, this thinking, and he, and George Conansager of Jacobs Vehicle Systems, commonly known as Jake's Brakes, in Bloomfield, Connecticut, raised his hand. He and Bob Pentland ran Jake's 
the Jake's plant. They were really good guys with an appetite for the wild and the woolly. They were cowboys, just like Iwata and his team. So what went on in that week led to a revolution that is still playing itself out. And in my view, it is important to understand what happened there, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it is a cautionary tale, even though much of this has not been revealed before, a cautionary tale in Borg thinking and swallowing whole hog. Jake's Breaks opened its door, and Norman and Iwata went in. I went in too, but I was just part of the woodwork. And for one week, for five days and four nights, they took over the plant. For the first time in the West... The first time outside of Japan, as far as we can ascertain, the principles of the Toyota production system were introduced in a sequential, coherent manner and applied immediately to a living, breathing factory. And here's the point, in the USA. And that single difference in the USA is one that has remained too long out of view from our consideration of the so-called this cluster of principles that we call cellular design, taking a functional layout and turning it into a value stream, a stream of connected value fields. In fact, the five days, four nights approach, which was soon to be renamed in the United States as the Kaizen Blitz, had been the main way that Mother Toyota, the main Toyota company, brought those principles in, but not to its own plant, to the factories of its supply chain. Toyota, mother Toyota, would never and never did use that approach within its hallowed walls. It never used a so-called blitz approach. And while rich in principles and tools, the cultural impact of those five days and four nights was entirely too abrupt disruptive and disrespectful disrespectful of people of value-add associates for Toyota to allow it into its OEM plants, its original uh, uh, manufacturer's plant, original equipment manufacturers, OEMs. It was reserved exclusively for the supply chain. And Iwata, and I love this man, what a fine, elegant gentleman he was, but their group, Iwata, Nakao, and and anyone else who was in the group, they were known as the thugs of the Toyota production system. That's that's spelled T-H-U-G-S because they were mandated by Taichi Ono, the president of Toyota, to go into the supply chain and to get 10, 15%, 30% out of their cost. And they would go in and, you know, they took no prisoners. These single-source suppliers... I should say these suppliers were single-sourced, period. They were single-sourced to Toyota, and their lives depended on doing Toyota's will. And they did do it. And Iwata, God bless his soul, and his his fellow, his fellows, I wouldn't say fellow thugs, fellow thugs, because I have such respect for this man, and it sounds as though I'm, I don't when I say that, but they were known in Toyota as that. They would go into the supply chain and they would make their magic and they brought that over to the United States. Now, mind you, they were still doing 5S, single-minute exchange of dye, standard work, single-piece flow, pull, Kanban, and on tack time, the end of functional silos, speed, 
cellular design. And all of that got implemented in the span of a week. There was no attempt to integrate into a business model because no supply chain company at that time had a business model. They simply produced. They were these tiny little suppliers to the great Toyota. Ono Commander commanded and Iwata and his crew obeyed. They implemented. And that Blitzkrieg model hit our shores in 1987. But nobody told us that this was a, su- a supplier, a supply chain model. Toyota had used it to make its fortune or to save a fortune and to help the supply chain companies drive out the cost. It was, so to speak, win-win all, all, all around. The model came to the United States. It looked very promising. George Conansager and Bob were overjoyed at the results. Danaher, was over, which was the um, corporate entity that owned Jake's Brakes, was overjoyed at the results. But in fact, very few, very few of his workforce participated in that first dazzling week of five days and four nights. They simply inherited from Iwata and the participants who paid for their registration and learned the approach for the first time. They simply inherited the change. It was a heady experience for us, but not for the operators. They were mad. They had not been included. They had not been educated. They had simply been dealt a hand in their absence. The other side of the story of the birth of the Kaizen Blitz, which few people talked about then or talk about now nowadays, is that Danaher, within a month, let's say stretch it to two months, let's say by August, this was somewhere around May, was on the verge of closing down the Bloomfield plant, Jake's Breaks, because the union had become so angry, so obstructive. They appeared to be obstructive. They were simply reacting, so obstreperous. They would not comply. They would not get with the program. They were angry. If I were in New York, I would use a different word. If I were actually in New York, I am from New York, but not in New York, and so I have to watch my language. But they were ripping mad. They hadn't participated in the change, and they were very, very vocal about not liking it. And I spoke with George about two weeks before the final decision. He said, ooh, wow, this is this is getting tricky. This is definitely a double-edged sword here. We did something wrong and didn't even know it. Look, at we got an 80% reduction in flow distance and flow time. We changed the business model of this plant, and it, and we're in big trouble. And he said it's, it's going to happen. A couple of weeks before, he said, you know, we're not going to close down the plant. We're going to stay here, and they're there to this day. And this, Jake's Breakins, Breaks in Bloomfield, if you can get in and see this plant, wow. It's a wowzer. It is so deeply intelligent. And you can see the operational intelligence in every part of that shop. Mm. But in fact, it took a while for those wounds to heal. The wounds of trust that had been barely built was broken. Ideas had been raided. The reductions were scary and certainly looked like there was going to be a reduction in the workforce. Looked like that was inevitable. And in fact, there was an adjustment, let's call it, in the workforce. 
And I will tell you, it took a while, quite a while, for the Shingojitsu group to pick up the mantle of empowerment, of integrating change so that it could be radical but not bruising. They're doing pretty good right now, I think. They certainly are very popular. They continue to be invited into the best companies in the world. And they do very, very good work. And our, our great friend Iwata passed on within about five years of um, of the Jake's event. And Nakao took over. And I understand that he is a fine person nowadays. Hmm? So I tell you this story, which is as true as I know it. Because I want you to think about it. I want you to, some of you have been struggling with the Kaizen Blitz approach because it hasn't been softened within the mantle of empowerment. And because of that, uh, it has been kind of brought over uh, from Japan and kind of dropped into the United States um, mindset. Doesn't, it's not going to work. The trouble that you're having is real trouble and you should pay attention to it. Don't ignore it. You know, I really, I've asked, I asked George once to please tell that story as well because I think it was so instructive as he, as he talks around the world to tell about what really happened and perhaps he started to do that. But that's what's also so important about the story, not just the victory, but the learning, the deep learning. And the modification of a very, very sound set of principles around the principle of will it work here? Does it work here? So remember at the beginning of the show I said I really want you guys to think about thinking. And I, 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 I've been waiting now for the right time to tell you the story. And based on what I saw in my travels through Central America and Mexico and also um, – Australia, which I just got back from, uh, I am struck by the earnestness and the kind of innocence that people have. They really want to help their plants. And you have to look at these methodologies and really look for balance and look for all the components that are needed, all the principles of success that are needed to make these methodologies create a change that you want to keep. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say a few more things about this after the break, and then um, then I'd like to move on to a second story that completely blew my mind. Um, and I also, this is a live show, so if you've got a question, boy, call in. We'll just postpone the rest of what I want to say to the next time we meet. Call in and let's talk about these things. These are... You know, a little bit controversial, a little bit uh, thought-provoking, and a little bit, um, um, well, they're, they're worth considering, and they're worth chewing on, and uh, we can chew on them together. So please call in. Uh, the announcer will repeat the number. I have this number somewhere. Hang on. The number, the call-in number is 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, or you can email at radio at visualworkplace.com. Radio at visualworkplace.com. I'll be back in a minute. Thanks.
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn again. Welcome back to the third segment of our show. I hope that you are uh, enjoying our conversation today. I'm talking about uh, methodologies and the way that we welcome methodologies into our organizations. And sometimes we don't look closely enough about uh, at how they behave. It's fine to go through what I call an A cycle where you see how the methodology behaves before you commit to it completely. You see how it works. You learn how to use it. You see... Uh, what is invisible unless you try it out. It's like uh, going out a, on a date with a, a girl or a boy. You would just want to go out on a date and see how it is. And uh, and then you you start thinking about whether or not it's working for you. So we do that with our improvement methodologies as well. I am as glad as any person, as the next person as you, to see balance and humanity enter into a transformational equation. But I will tell you, at the beginning, when the, when cellular design first came here, it wasn't there. There was no humanity. There was no balance. There was just a blitz. And it was like, take no prisoners. And there was slapping and unhappiness all the way around. <laughs> it didn't really shift in the 1980s at all. It only shifted a little bit in the 1990s. And a lot of damage was done in the two intervening decades, I mean throughout the West. And many of us, you and me, noticed that disconnect. But because the model was presented as the Toyota way, 
and therefore some order of sacred. We thought it didn't work because we as Americans or as Westerners were doing it wrong. But we weren't doing it wrong. We did the model and the model was wrong. We were not focused on the transformation of our suppliers at that time. We were not foisting a supply we were instead I should say foisting a supply chain model onto a local veteran workforce value add and valuable associates who had loyally served our companies for decades not that the supply chain does companies deserve anything less of course not they also deserve a balanced humane model but way back then we had no awareness we only knew we were doing it. We only thought we were doing it wrong. And we weren't. It was marketed to us as the Toyota way and therefore had to be right. But we did learn. We learned, but we learned through making many, many mistakes. And I'll tell you now, there are many companies who are doing the Blitz model and doing it excellently well. Balanced, complete, Sustainable results. My my compliments to you. Okay. So, by the way, what happens inside of the Toyota, the mothership of Toyota, what the uh, what happens in Toyota Japan, and even the, all of the transplants is that they do waste reduction. They do it gradually. It's called kaizen. They develop relationships. They cultivate personal development. They use the five whys in value stream mapping. They think. They visit again and again and again and use the PDCA cycle, plan to check act cycle. They cultivate relationships. They coach. Hmm? Toyota Kata, great book by Mike Rother. Slow, grow stuff. So let me say it again in some other words. All the signs of a revolution was there when the Kaizen Blitz or the five days and four nights came to our shores. The sharp focus, speed of change, the power of network, the exhilaration of just do it. And that morphed into that original supply chain formulation morphed into the Kaizen Blitz of today. It changed the landscape of organizational improvement across the board. It grabbed our attention and we never looked back, but we should have. We should have suspected an event that seemed to have the power to change the physical landscape of work in less than a week. What was it doing to the people landscape? Okay. There was a collision ahead between the principles of good implementation and the principles of what we then call JIT or cellular design. Somewhere in the middle, it, somewhere somewhat later, it was called lean. Now I don't know what lean is. It just seems to be the alphabet. But at any rate, in the pursuant years, too many companies, innocent and hopeful that the splits was the new best way, did inadvertent harm to their work culture with the rip-apart tactics of the original Blitz approach. But what plant manager could resist an 80% reduction in flow distance and flow time? Okay, no one told them that the, that Toyota reserved the Blitz for the supply chain only, single-sourced and beholden to Toyota. Okay, so we have to think. We have to look for what is, what are we not being told? What is the unspoken story? 
if it feels wrong, it usually is wrong. And if it is wrong, we can't pretend that it isn't. So we have to think. We have to feel. We have to figure it out. We have to investigate. I'm going to tell you one of these days very soon the story of the, of the Australians that will just completely blow your mind. These are things that happened historically that people don't know about, but I'll tell you what it's like to think. I'd love to break into that story right now, but I'm going to tell you the second story. This story is also about cellular design. And this is a plant, a very, very successful plant with 3,000 people. It's a, a, a Mexican plant, Maquiladora. Um, it's one of the J.T. Battenberg's plants, the Del- one in the Delphi group. Really extraordinary leader for all of his, um, you know, his um, peripheral activity. This was a very, very smart man, and I admire him tremendously. He was the chairman, CEO, and president of Delphi and created a high-velocity, perfect-quality plant, creating 35,000 high-end radios per week. In one of the plants that I had the privilege of visiting and assessing, We saw the assessment report before we got there. I was with about five other people. And we were so impressed. We said, let's go take a look. This was for an award. Let's go take a look. It was just, you could just tick off the elements of the Toyota production system, cellular design, everything. It was all there. It was like the perfect model. So we get there. And um, we are already saying, unless something is really different from this report, this is not just a winner, but a showcase that many, many companies can learn from. So we get there, and the presentation is made at one of these Delphi plants, and they're not talking about cellular design anymore. They're talking about assembly lines. They're talking about people who had been reconfigured into long assembly lines but had been described in the report as in cells, working in cells. And these, you know, the, the, key, the key team of the site, the key site team is presenting to us. We're looking at each other. There's a kind of murmur between us. We're saying, what, you know, there's no match here between the report and what they're presenting. Did they lie when they wrote this report? What's going on? So we said, could we have a minute, please? (laughs) Could we have a minute? (laughs) Could we have the room? Everybody files out except us. And we talk and we say, what the heck is going on here? They're talking about speeding up their assembly lines. But this report, which was written a mere eight months ago, is talking about classic Toyota-based cellular design. And so we put together some questions. People come out. We have to be courteous and polite, diplomatic, but we still need to know. They come back in and we say, er, um, er, um, er, um, could you please kind of help us match up the report with what you're describing now? And they said to us, and I'm going to tell you the rest of the story after the break. I'll just kind of lead in with a really uh, cliffhanger here. They said, oh, yeah, well, that was the way we were doing it. 
when we submitted the achievement report. But then something happened and we picked up 30% productivity by making some changes. Ha ha ha. We moved away from cellular design. And on that note, I'll say come back in a minute and I'll tell you the rest of the story. Okay? Okay, I'll be here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi, it's Gwendolyn. Here I am. I'm back again. You're back again. We're in the last segment of today's show, which is called Question Everything, colon, Borg Cellular Design. Question Everything. So I was telling you just before the break about an organization that had mastered the elements of the Toyota production system as widely understood by us North American practitioners. Quick changeover, one-piece flow, cellular design, solidly in place with all the attendant and dramatic reductions in lead time, throughput, productivity, defects, and of course cost. It was a jewel of a system. And it was one that was replicated throughout the dozens and dozens of plants in this corporation under the leadership of J.T. Battenberg because he required them through a very detailed um, audit, self-audit process to keep moving towards this complete model. And as the plants would go up 0.2% or 0.07% per year in the scale, so it was a very tough audit procedure, but it really created results in that is changes in the operational paradigm. 
and slowly moved, moved, moved. But anyway, when the whole corporation, when the whole, all these dozens and dozens, I think there's like 300 plants in the whole system, were at a 4.5. Battenberg pulls everybody together and he does this thing and he does it between the submission of the achievement report and our site visit. We didn't know. And we walk into a plant where the report doesn't match what we, what, what's being presented and what we're about to see on the floor. And we think, ooh, somebody has fudged. Not at all. They weren't waiting for us. What happened and what was explained to us when we invited people back and said, hey, what's going on here? They said, so Battenberg called all the head of the divisions together and all the plant managers and said, look, guys, you have done what I've asked you to. Everyone is at a 4.5 or better on a five-point scale. It took them like five or six years to get there, so don't think this happens quickly. You know, with an iron fist, he ran this thing. Tremendous authority, tremendous vision, tremendous skill and detail. And he said, we're there, and you know what we're going to do with that? We're going to use that as a basis, and we're going to get another 30% of productivity into our plants, each and every one of you. And he kind of said... Just pretend you saw a curtain. He said, behind this curtain are seven ex-Toyota senseis. And they're into making a lot of money and helping me make a lot of money. And there's going to be one of those senseis assigned to each of your divisions. And here's your job. Do what the guy tells you to. Just do it. And so what happened, There's. I hope I meet him sometime before I die. There was a sensei Yamada who was assigned to the division or to the plant, uh, to the division in, uh, of which this plant was. And what he said is, you guys really understand the elements, the principles of the Toyota production system. You have demonstrated them, but we are now going to cr- throw the cards in the air. Things are going to radically change by design, and we will increase our throughput, our productivity by 30% by decoupling the previously tack-time-driven cells, by decoupling our Toyota, uh, our cellular design. These well closely, well-loved, closely held beliefs about the Toyota production system were being thrown out the window. This was TPS, Toyota production system, as I'd never seen it. The facility was turned, had turned its back on one piece flow. It decoupled its cells. They were laid out in assembly lines and the result was a 30% increase in productivity with no diminishment whatsoever in previous quality, on time delivery levels, certainly not safety. I sat down and I thought, my God, I've just witnessed a paradigm shift in my mind. A complete contradiction of what I thought fundamental TPS principles were. A reversion what, to the past? No. That was when I realized that the Toyota production system, your production system, is nothing if it is not alive, vital, robust, and always seeking its next level of improvement, of breakthrough. Toyota has no artificial allegiance to itself or anything else, including what others may think Toyota is about. Toyota is not in the business of implementing TPS. It is in the business of discovering what it needs to gain greater stability, expansion, and prosperity. 
and not on the backs of its people, but through its people. And that's why it succeeds with remarkable predict- predictability. You know, s- many people damn Toyota because of the quality recall it suffered about three or four years ago. You know what? It has gained such strength from that. We should be, if we're competitors of Toyota, afraid of the breakthroughs that are re- going to result from that. Because truly, Toyota has always lived a mistake as an opportunity to learn, a golden opportunity to learn. When the, when the yen uh, appreciated back, what was that, 15 years ago? All of us said, down the tubes, Toyota. But you know what? They drove more cost out. I'm not saying Japan didn't struggle. Of course they struggled. But they they continued to think. Ono's told this to us. People don't come to Toyota to work. They come to think. And that's what I want to say to you in these last few moments. And that's the point of today's show and these next four shows. We're going to have Christmas in between, so there'll be a little bit of a hiccup there. But to think, to watch, to study, to experience, to feel with your body, to feel with your senses, to ask yourself, what am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I feeling? What does it mean? And to shift accordingly. That's empowerment where you are not married to a paradigm just because it's been well marketed. You know, I'm going to have some things to say about Six Sigma next week. Some of my best friends are Six Sigma black belts. <laughs> right? We just, we want to do well, but we can't give up our brains. We can't swallow it whole hog. We have to make the distinction between effectiveness and Excuse me, effective marketing, authentic effectiveness. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. First, the story, the backstory about what happened really when cellular design came to the United States in 1987 and how it is not, it was not a workable model. It did a lot of damage and needed to be adjusted. And how that adjustment happened, both in the plants, but also in the people who brought it about and how what we think even though we're using those principles what we think about these shining examples these principles we have to question those as well the principles a set of principles will move us along and be important but we have to also not park our brain or our heart at the at the door We have to bring the wholeness of our being and our intelligence and our experience into the workplace. Then the workplace becomes lively and dynamic and we enter the realm of mastery. We can really bring all of us there. We become scholars of our work, scientists of our work. We come to work to think. So, you know what? It would be nice if you send me an email or two to tell me whether or not this kind of thinking that I just presented is something that appeals to you, I'd like that. Or just tell me you don't like the show that I just presented or tell me that you do. But let me hear the other shoe drop. Radio at visualworkplace.com. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I had a great time with you today. I want to thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in the next time. This is the Visual Workplace. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am signing off. 
We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.